The stars had joined the glowing moon, twinkling their orbs of light high above. The group of women is removed from the things of this world, just for tonight. They exist in a place outside of time and space. They see much and feel much. They are the souls of ancient earth, timeless and eternal. The oldest among them hums low in her throat, a soft melody to accompany the rushing waves. Damsel, some say you are ignorant of the ways of the world, sheltered and kept apart. But I know these are only rumors. Tell us of your time in this place, in this world. What have you seen, experienced, and learned? What lessons, lies, and truths has life taught you? I am the damsel. Men seek to save me and protect me, both from the dangers of the outside world, as well as the danger they believe I represent to myself. My shadow side is portrayed by the idea that women are weak, that I need someone else to fight my battles for me. I am not to be trusted with important matters, only things fit for a pretty girl's head. In return, I am expected to offer my loving devotion, loyalty, and physical beauty. They would keep me locked, safe in the tower. But sisters, we do not need to believe this lie. I will share the story, The Bird Maiden, a tale of the consequences of locking up a woman and doubting her words. In a castle by the sea, there lived a lonely prince. One night, he heard the most beautiful song floating out over the sea cliffs. Whether human or animal, he did not know, but the song spoke to his heart and lifted his sorrow. The prince vowed to find the source of the music, if only to keep his sadness at bay. The next night, when the whispered notes once more trilled in the air, the prince slipped down toward the sea. Small white orbs floated in the night mist, and while they followed the music, they did not produce it. Dismissing them, the prince set off for the beach and, drawing nearer to the sound, rushed forward. However, when his foot touched the sand, the song abruptly stopped. The prince searched all night, but the song did not return. The next evening, with the entrancing song filling his ears, the prince approached the sea cliffs once more. He kept his feet from touching the sand, leaping from rock to rock. Creeping toward the music, the prince came to the great sea towers which were tall pillars made of rock and sand. Black and white birds precariously built their nests inside, and from one such alcove out poured the glowing symphony. The prince tried to peer inside to see where the haunting music was coming from, but the entrance was too high up. The prince rested his back against the pillar and listened to the calming music until dawn. The third night the prince approached the sand pillars, he came armed with net and bow, Scaling the peaks of sand and stone, the prince hauled himself inside, drew his bow, and peered into the hollow. His eyes grew round, and he lowered his bow when he saw a young, white-haired maiden huddled in the back of the enclosure. From her fair mouth rose the tantalizing sound that had first pulled the prince from his bed. The prince quickly slung his net over the unsuspecting lady. As the twine settled around her, the maiden stopped singing and eyed her captor with pale blue ovals. In no graceful manner, the prince hauled the maiden from the alcove and dropped her onto the sand below. She did not utter a sound as she was carted over sand and rock upheld to the castle. A grand banquet was laid out with the finest of foods, and the prince questioned the maiden, asking her who she was, where she had come from, and why she was inside the sea pillars singing. But the maiden spoke not a word. Food she was offered, but she ate not. She only sat looking straight ahead, and her fingers played with her necklace, braided from three of her white hairs. 
The prince begged and pleaded for the maiden to speak, to tell him anything she wished. A wardrobe of the finest clothes, chests of jewelry, a dazzling horse to ride. Upon asking her desire, the maiden opened her delicate mouth and spoke. She asked not who the prince was, nor why he had taken her. She simply asked to be given the room in the highest tower, and upon entering, to remain undisturbed, neither by maid nor by the prince, neither for simple question nor of the greatest peril. None should disturb her. The prince granted her request, and still heaped her with gifts of fine jewelry, clothes, and a white horse to ride. The mare was the only thing the maiden took an interest in, but she did not sing, though the prince implored her most heavily. Every night they sat at the great table. The prince dined on the choicest of food, while the lady sipped cold water in a glass goblet, and ate sparingly of nuts and plants. Then she would climb the many stairs up to the tower and close her door tightly shut against the rest of the castle. The prince wondered about her solitude and what she did behind her bedroom door. But as he promised, he allowed none to disturb her, not even himself. Then, on the full moon of the following night, the ghostly song came again from below the castle's towering stones. The prince himself had seen the maiden enter her room and heard the great wooden bolt slide into place. The windows were far too high for her to have ventured forth through them. It was impossible for her to have left the castle. So where was this melody coming from if the maiden was sleeping in her room? The prince desired to enter the maiden's room, but his promise held him at bay. For months this went on, always at the full moon, and for a full week the night would be filled with the heavenly song rolling up from the waves below the castle. A few times the prince tried to follow the song to its source again, but the melody never stayed in the same place. If he grew near its point, it would slip away, and he could hear it pooling down another part of the shore. The prince began to grow suspicious of the fair maiden, for he knew she and the song were connected. Finally, after months of reigning in his curiosity, the prince decided to break his oath. Three days before the song's return, the prince slipped out his window and began the arduous and reckless climb up the tower. It was a long fall to the rocky cliffs below, and the prince made sure not to look down. With sweat running down between his shoulders, the prince silently hauled himself up to the maiden's window and peered in. Inside was the fair maid, but she sat inside a giant nest. A huge bird's nest spun of silver thread and brown twigs, of spidery web and short black feathers tucked into the sides. The nest filled the whole center of the room whereupon the bed had stood. The rest of the furniture had been pushed to the side, including the bureau which the prince currently peeked around. While the nest was certainly alarming, it was another sight that caught the prince off guard. The lady was not alone. Black ravens flocked all around the maiden, who shone white as fresh milk. Some ravens she laid hands on, and taking black beak between her fair lips, breathed into them. They grew into small children dressed in white, and their delicate skin glowed lighting the room. Some ravens she gave breath to, and instead of becoming children, they hopped down from her lap to lie on the stone floor. When she bent over them and stretched out her hand, their black bodies were bodies no more, just a pile of feathers. The maiden shifted through the feathers, and beneath lay a small gray stone. These stones the maiden picked up and tucked into a bag, which she then cinched shut and placed within her bodice. All night the children played and talked with the maiden. They spoke in a sing-song language the prince could not understand. The maiden wove white lace caps for the children, who crawled into the nest with her as the sun began to rise. Slipping the knitted lace over the children's faces, they turned back into ravens and flew out the window. 
For two nights, the prince spied on the maiden, and each night the ravens became either children or piles of feathers hiding rocks. However, as the prince settled in to watch on the third night, something different happened. Gathering the birds around her, the maiden pulled the bag of raven rocks from her breast and began to swallow the stones. It was difficult and slow going, but as the moon rose full into the sky, the maiden began to shimmer and glow, her white gown fading in opacity until a mist rose up. Around her and a snow-white raven emerged, ruffling its feathers. It spread its wings and swooped toward the window where the young prince crouched hiding. The prince ducked as the black ravens followed their bird maiden and the familiar heart-wrenching song filled the ghostly shore. The prince knew he should make the long climb down, but his curiosity convinced him to linger and he climbed in through the window. He stumbled over to the giant nest and he touched the silver wire, pulling black feathers out carelessly. And then he spied the maiden's bag that had once held her stones. Picking it up, the bag leapt in his hands and flew up toward the ceiling. The prince grabbed it and it turned to dust in his hands. Shocked and worried, the prince brushed the white powder from his hands and tried to smear away the evidence on the floor. Hearing the flap of wings, the prince jumped to hide as the bird maiden returned with her flock of ravens. He watched as the white bird fluttered down into her giant nest and began to cough up white feathers until she once more became a maiden. Striding to the prince, the maiden yanked him from his hiding place. Her eyes, normally so blue and calm, were a gray, frothing storm. You broke your word that I would not be disturbed, the maiden cried. Look, look, you foolish man, you who sought to disrupt what you could not understand. She pointed at the ravens who watched with their dark eyes. These are the children who had died in the sea, the white orbs that float in the night mist. I care for their lost souls, singing them to my shore once a month. In the day, they are trapped in the form of a raven, but at night I can give them back their forms. But now that you have spied upon me and sighted their stilted shapes, they are locked forever in their bird bodies. I bore my own curse and was to be free once I released the children from their entrapment. But now you have taken that hope from me by touching my belongings and destroying the bag that housed my spirit. Do you think I would not feel its disturbance, nor notice the stains on your hands? The ravens still clustered around the maiden, and she turned to them, breaking the three white strands of hair from around her neck. And her skin grew dark, and her face grew long, and her eyes slanted, and her mouth filled with sharp teeth, and her hands grew claws. She snatched at the ravens and devoured them, black feathers scattered in the air, mouth stained red. A whinny came from below the tower, and the maiden turned to the prince who backed away at the sight of her. Smiling cruel fangs at him, the maiden lunged and threw them both from the window. The now-transformed hag landed lightly on her horse. The once white mare was now black as midnight. The prince, however, fell to his death on the sharp cliffs below. Now people whisper of the hag who rides a black horse in the midnight surf and that a gathering of ravens means they still feast on the prince's remains. <laughs>